you don't probably remember this, but the first Sunday of this year, I started this series on prayer and what that looked like in the early church and how we become a people uh, of prayer, a praying church, praying people. Um, and I asked a few Wednesday, that first Wednesday night uh, here at prayer time, I asked the group that was here, did anybody teach you to pray? And um, it was kind of much, pretty much unanimous no. Nobody taught me to pray. Uh, but the unanimous answer, pretty much unanimous answer was, I guess, uh, if I remember correctly, pretty much everyone said, I learned to pray by listening to other people pray. Um, that was definitely uh, true for me, 19, 20 years old. Listening to people who'd been praying for a long, long time, listening to them talk to God. Um, I was even thinking just this week that... Um, If you were in the same church long enough where people prayed, led in prayer, you you just kind of knew by the vo- the vocabulary, the words that were used, the inflections, like you knew immediately who was praying, right? You knew which deacon that was. You knew which person that was praying. You just kind of got to know how people talked to God, the words they used and how they talked. Um, some of you could probably close your eyes right now and hear the voice of someone you maybe grew up hearing them pray in a church service. Um, And and one of the amazing gifts that God gives us in Scripture is that um, we can, in a sense, listen to people pray. Um, And God went to the trouble of having those prayers written down for us. It's almost like a giant prayer cheat sheet. If you're like, how in the world do I pray? Well, you can open up your Bible and find some prayers and you're it's perfectly, it's public domain. You can use them in your prayers. It's free. Um, and in and, and the New Testament, the amazing thing is, is that we find the people in the New Testament prayed the scripture they had, they cheated to. Um, they felt no need to be original. Even when Jesus Christ was on the cross, he prayed Psalms, right? So there was just never this pressure, oh, we've got to be original in our prayers. It was like, well, we've been given prayers. Why not? Why not use them? Uh, this, and so um, the Spirit gave those words to the psalmist. Jesus prayed those words. It's, it's amazing. And um, so over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the church in prayer, how this, how this newborn church, if you will, in the book of Acts, prayed. Um, they were not just a church that prayed. They were a praying church, and there is a different. And it, when you look at creation in Genesis 1, and then you look at the creation of the church in Acts 1 and 2, you just see Genesis 1, we find God the Father speaking this world into existence. We see the, the Holy Spirit brooding, hovering, if you will, over the waters. And we find Jesus Christ, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, the Word's with God. All things were made through that Word, this, this powerful agent of creation speaking, all things made by Him and for Him. And in the book of Acts... You see this birth, this creation of this church, and we see the presence of the Holy Spirit among the disciples. And then in, in, in Peter's sermon, we see that all of this that had happened up to this point in the life, death, and resurrection and ascension of Jesus was all the work of God in Christ. Um, so it's like this, this thing that God initiated. And the difference is, is in the beginning of the church, there's Jesus praying. People. So we started this off our first Sunday of this year. We, in Luke, 
same person wrote Luke that wrote Acts. And um, Luke is called the Gospel of Prayer, so much of Jesus praying in the book of Acts. And we, we went through and saw how at some of the most crucial moments in Jesus' life, he was there praying. Um, we see at his baptism the, the little phrase in Luke. Luke says, as he prayed, the Spirit descended. We see the night before he chose the, the 12. It says he spent the night praying. Um, it says the same little phrase again at the transfiguration where he took those three up on the mountain. Uh, and it says as he prayed. And then we, if you know the transfiguration, suddenly he's this bright and shining, glorious and being. <laughs> you can see the real Jesus stands up. Um, as he prayed, that happened. And then you have this um, just really sweet, powerful moment where Jesus is telling the disciples what's about to happen. And, and he looks at Peter in particular, who has declared, Jesus, I'll, I'll go to my grave def- defending you. This, this isn't going to happen. And Jesus says to him, um, Peter, Satan has, has desired to sift you like wheat. He's going to sift you up, but I've, I'm praying, I've prayed that your faith will not fail. And when you've returned, you're going to strengthen your brothers. What an amazing thing. Imagine Jesus, I'm, I've prayed for you. So the book of Acts is the continuing work of Jesus Christ by his spirit. But in many ways, the book of Acts is the answer to Jesus' prayer. And if it's the continued life of Jesus in his people, you would expect prayer. Um, And so we're going to look at four different key occasions when the church prayed. And oftentimes it's going to be when things were very, very difficult. In particular, this passage, uh, Acts chapter 4, things were very, very difficult. And and they knew. They knew, right? They knew. If there there was anything Jesus told them there at the very end when he was spending time alone with them is, is when I leave, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And it's going to be really, really difficult for you all. It's going to be really difficult for you. There's going to be opposition. And and so imagine this little group. You've received the Great Commission, right? Go into all the world making disciples. Like, they fit in a 12-passenger van, people. (laughs) Just all of you, the whole world, make disciples, teach them to obey, baptize. Um, And as if that's, not hard enough. The world is going to be opposed to you doing that. So this is going to seem next to impossible. And he told them to go, and he told them to wait. The Holy Spirit's going to come. And what else are you going to do while you wait? You're going to pray. And they prayed. Jesus made a bunch of promises, and the Spirit's coming, and so they prayed. And, and, and we see in Acts, prayer and the work of the Spirit, they go hand in hand. You can't miss that when you're reading Acts. And so... We get to see in Acts 4 how they prayed pretty much the first time things got really, really difficult and what they prayed for. What else are you going to do? What else is Creekside going to do? I mean, I've not counted. We would probably fit in four 12-passenger vans, maybe five. I don't know. Uh, Go into all the world, make disciples. I mean, the task isn't 100% ours, but we're to be 100% given to it. But um, disciples in the nations, disciples in our neighborhoods, 
what are we going to do? But pray. We kind of pray. Um, and we would expect it to be difficult, right? And sometimes the greatest obstacle, let's just be real here, the greatest obstacle to, to sharing the gospel, the greatest obstacle to making disciples is sometimes inside of us. I mean, we're not naturally drawn to that kind of risk, right? Um, we're not. Um, so we pray, we rely on the Spirit. And that's what we see in Acts chapter 4. What's happening in Acts chapter 4 starts back in Acts chapter 3 where Peter and John go up to the temple and there's a, a lame man there who'd been lame since birth. They would carry him to the temple. He would, he would beg. And Peter and John saw him and said, um, basically, get up and walk. And so he got up and walked and people just were like, wow, this is amazing. And he's holding on to them and this crowd draws. And what else are they going to do when a crowd draws? And Peter starts preaching. And so he preaches this this whole big sermon, and all these people are coming uh, to Jesus, and this crowd is just excited. And in chapter 4, we see that the priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking, and it says they were greatly disturbed because they were proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead, and they threw Peter and John in jail until the next day, but it said many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Wowzer. Um, and so the rulers, they all get together the next day. Peter, filled with the Spirit, preaches again, um, and they're astounded. They see the pe- courage of Peter and John, and they realize they were unschooled, ordinary men, but they had been with Jesus and um, there was the, so here's these courageous, uneducated men who've been with Jesus. Here's a lame man standing there. What are you going to do? So they all huddled together and said, what are we going to do about this? Oh, they're performing miracles. They're preaching Jesus. What, how are we going to stop this? This is just going to keep spreading. So they called them in again and said, listen, you guys need to shut up. Don't preach about Jesus anymore. And Peter and John said, okay. No, they didn't. They said, we, we, can't, we can't help it. How can we stop talking about everything we've seen and heard? And so they were really threatening them. Don't you do this. We have to. And we couldn't decide how to punish them because everybody's praising God because this man was healed. And So they just let him go and told him to stop. So Peter goes back, Peter and John go back to this, this newborn church, which has grown in huge numbers, and they go back to the people, and this is what it says, Acts 4.23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. Hey, listen, they've told us to shut up. It's going to get bad. It's going to get bad. It's going to get difficult. It's going to get hard if we don't stop talking about Jesus. And verse 24 says, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. They prayed. They prayed. We're facing opposition from the highest religious court in the land. And um, it says they prayed together, which then makes you ask, wait a minute, were they all praying out loud at the same time? Anybody ever been in a church service where everybody prayed out loud at the same time? 
Yeah, when I first started preaching, my dad got me this Sunday night pulpit in this little independent Baptist church. And if you know anything about some independent Baptist churches in the country, they're, they are borderline Pentecostal. And like, they don't believe in any order of worship. They just show up and say, okay, who's got a song? Sure, I'll say. I mean, it just, it's just bedlam. And, and, and they, they said to this man on the front, hey, will you lead us in prayer? And I thought, oh, this is cool. But what lead us in prayer meant was, will you jumpstart this thing? And this moment he opened his mouth, this room filled with people were all just praying at the top of their lungs. And I was like, I had never witnessed anything like this. It was really freaking me out. And I've got to get up and preach. And, um, and then they all like, like wound down, right, at the same time. I don't know how they did that. Um, but I don't know if that's what was happening. But, but some Bible translation says they prayed of one mind because I don't know that they all prayed the exact same words at the same time because verse 24 says what they said. But if you learn to pray by listening to people pray, here is a prayer. And how they started their prayer, it reminds me of so much this prayer reminds me so much of the person that I learned to pray by listening to. Um, just there in this little living room in this old rundown house that the church bought on a weeknight, just all of us gathered in this little room, and she would start praying. And I, would, I just remember at first thinking a couple of things. I feel like I'm eavesdropping on a really private conversation here. This is just, this lady's like talking to God like he's in the chair next to her. But then she prayed much like they prayed here in that, she started talking to God about who he was. And I, was just, I just remember the first time thinking, well, God already knows who he is. Why are you telling him this? You're not telling him anything new. This doesn't make sense. And then it wasn't long before I realized people in the Bible did the same thing. Um, look at, listen to the beginning of their pray, prayer. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Master, ruler, king, sovereign Lord. Everything is under his attention. Everything is under his authority. Their prayer started by reminding God and talking to God and reminding themselves probably who God is. <laughs> they're all on the same page here. They're not, they're not expressing their worry. They're not expressing a sense of victimhood. They're not expressing a sense of entitlement. They're just starting with who they're talking to. And we're talking to the one who made heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in it. They're all on the same page here. Not because God forgot who he was. Surely God delights to hear them start the prayer with, with just the reminder of who they're talking to and who his power and what his authority is. They're praying the fact that what they're facing is not too much for the one they're talking to. They're not talking to the one who's second in command or third in command. They're talking to the master. They're talking to the ruler. As a matter of fact, I just, the question hit me. Why would you pray at all unless this is true? Like, why would you go to somebody who's like fifth in command? <laughs> Why pray at all about anything? Unless you're going to the top. 
especially if there's a Caesar in, in Rome who demands that you call him Lord, especially if they're these rulers of the temple who don't like that you're talking about the resurrection and talking about Jesus. These people who have the power to throw you in jail and kill you and beat you, do we know anybody greater than that? Yes, they did. Sovereign Lord. And then look what they did in verse 25. They quote God's word to him in their prayer. They cheated too. Psalm 2 And this is what it says. Um, You spoke, look at this combination here. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. So Lord, what we're about to say to you is something that you know you already said by your spirit through David a long, long time ago. This is old news to you, God. But we know how applicable this passage is. They're immediately thinking of scripture that God already gave them, which says, why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? So, Lord, we're looking at raging nations. We're looking at people's plotting, even though we know and you know this is all empty. The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. So, Lord, this isn't even just about us. This is about Jesus, your anointed one. He's fully acquainted with their situation. He's not suddenly surprised. Oh, my goodness, how'd this happen? He's seen this before. This isn't God's first opposition persecution rodeo, right? He wrote this down a thousand years before these people. And if you keep reading in Psalm 2, verse 4, there's this great line. The one enthroned in heaven laughs, and the Lord scoffs at them. Like, God, these people can kill us. And the Lord, the sovereign one, goes, ha, <laughs> ha. Not, oh, no. (laughs) It hit me a long time ago that if God's going to laugh and smile, you should probably be on the right side of that. Yeah. (laughs) And, And then they go on, and they're applying Scripture in their prayer. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. So he is the anointed one that psalm was talking about. And we saw this happen... In, in the city we're living in right now, and look at verse 28. My word, put this one together. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Wow. The earthly powers that crucified the Son of God only did so because the sovereign Lord had chosen this is the way this is going to happen. And if, and if the God they're talking to is sovereign over the death of his own son then surely he's sovereign over this mess we find ourselves in, this situation we find ourselves in. They haven't made a request yet, by the way. They haven't asked for anything. They've only reminded God in their prayer of who he is and what he has said and how it applies to their situation. And then in verse 29, they have a request. And it's, got, it's, it's a three-part request. Now, Lord, consider their threats, one, And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Consider their threats. Lord, you you look at them. We don't want to sit here and dwell and worry and get focused on the threat they've made to us if we keep speaking in the name of Jesus. 
Lord, you concern yourself with that. We can't stop that. It's not like we elected them to their position anyway. Lord, you take notice of that. You deal with the people who are threatening us. And secondly, give us great boldness. And did you catch this? Consider the threats, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. In other words, we're not going to do what they told us to do. We're not going to shut up. And we're asking you to help us to not shut up boldly. (laughs) So, consider that. And give us the ability to speak plainly, to speak confidently, to speak freely and fearlessly in the face of opposition that can beat us, imprison us, and kill us. That told us not to speak another word. Lord, give us boldness to do the opposite of what they said. It's quite the prayer request, isn't it? I mean, it wasn't, Lord, you just consider those and do what you want with them. We don't enjoy persecution. We're not looking for it. But we know we can't be quiet. So just give us boldness. And the third request may not actually be a request because it actually says, as you are stretching out your hand. In other words, it's something that they expect God to continue doing. They just saw him heal a lame man. As you're stretching out your hand or while you extend your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So God, you take care of the powers that be. God, you do God-sized miraculous stuff and we'll just speak boldly with the boldness that you give us. You take care of them. You do the miracles. You just keep healing people. Whatever it is you want to do that's miraculous, you do signs and wonders. But at the same time, will you give us freedom and courage and boldness to speak the word of Jesus? That's the request. So you see the three parts. It's the reminder of who God is in this prayer, who we're talking to, what he says that applies to the situation, and then the request, consider their threats, do your God thing that is so amazing that draws these people to go, what's going on here, and gives the opportunity to preach the gospel, and then put boldness inside of us. And for good measure, God throws in a little something extra in verse 31. After they prayed, the place they were, where they were meeting was shaken. This happens several times in the book of Acts. You ever been in church when an earthquake happened? I haven't. Um, but you've got to admit, like, I remember one time I was doing a, 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 a wedding on the beach, and it had rained up till like five minutes before the wedding started. And this bride, the bride's crying, and everybody, oh, it's just, it's horrible. And we're like praying, Lord, stop the rain. And it stopped. It stopped like right up. So we're setting chairs. We're doing all this stuff. And um, when everybody walked down the aisle, I just led us in prayer. And at the end of my prayer, and I said, oh, and thank you, Lord, for stopping the rain. In Jesus' name, amen. And when I looked up, it thundered. And everybody was like, did God just say you're welcome to this guy? <laughs> Who is this man? He's nothing. Yeah. And there were dolphins out in the water. It was a pretty beautiful moment. But um, imagine this. In Jesus' name, amen, earthquake. 
It's like God says, okay. <laughs> and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Now that's interesting. Um, because it seems that the first place they chose, chose to spoke the word of God boldly was with each other. As if God is saying, listen, if you can't speak the word of God boldly to each other, you're not going to do very well out there. <laughs> and look what it says, filled with the Spirit. So this, that's the means of this here. The Holy Spirit all throughout Acts is the way God answers prayers for these internal needs. Is anybody else wondering if the place is going to shake? I just keep waiting. It's probably not. <laughs> yeah. So this is just great. How are we praying? How are we praying? I can't, if, if we're going to be a praying church, we have to ask how. Um, if we're praying for boldness, that's going to require empowering of the Holy Spirit. Um, so I would just ask you, if, if your tendency is to not speak the Word of God freely, if the tendency in, in you is not to speak the word of God with courage and, and forthrightly, what is it the Spirit is also going to overcome in you to give you that boldness? And let me just add a little something here that has to do with boldness. Um, Speaking the word of God with boldness does not mean that God suddenly gave you the personality of an extrovert. So much of what I hear taught about following Jesus sounds as if being a disciple is for extroverts and the introverts, well, I'm sorry. Do we have any introverts in the room? Raise your hand. Now, what's funny about that is that I just asked introverts to raise their hand. How painful was that, introverts? Did you hate doing that? Were you like, well, did he ask me to do that? <laughs> right, I understand that. I completely understand that. I understand a personality that doesn't, like your tank doesn't get filled up in a room full of people. You're in a room full of people, and you're like, you're going home to be alone in your room for a while. Don't, let's just let me decompress. Whew, that was stressful, right? I, under, I completely understand that. Um, 29 years I've been married to an introvert. Um, listen, there's a lot of people who, who, who you would think are bold. That, that You can just chalk that up to being extroverts, right? Being bold doesn't mean you have the gift of gab. <laughs> um, and I've seen people who thought they were bold and they were just really unkind extroverts. Just really weren't nice, right? Um, so being an extrovert doesn't like make up for lacking boldness. And if you're an introvert, that does not mean boldness is out of reach. Listen, it takes all kinds of people to reach all kinds of people. You understand that? It takes all kinds of people to reach all kinds of people. Um, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives all of us, introvert and extrovert alike, the ability to speak the truth in love pointedly and graciously, okay? So I just, I just wanted to throw that out there 
for the people who hear the prayer, let us speak the word of God, word of God boldly. And you just get a little bit of an extra, oh no, than maybe the rest of the extroverts in the room. Because you, you saw there were a lot of hands that just went up, right? So, yeah. And secondly, let me just say, this also means being bold about the right things, right? Because I see Christians being really, really bold about things they really shouldn't be bold about, right? So let's be bold about the right things. And let's go back to that time Jesus prayed and the Spirit came at his baptism. Do you remember what the Father said to him? This is my son whom I love, and I am well pleased with him. But, and, and, and so a lot of the time, the, the, I'm just, when I ask the question, what does the Spirit need to overcome in you to give you boldness? I'll speak to my own sense of fear, my own sense of like, what if I say things wrong? And then that just goes to, I just wrap my identity up in like how good I think I'm doing at this whole Jesus thing. And here's the father telling the son before he preached a sermon, before he healed anyone, before thousands of people heard him on a hillside preaching the sermon, before any of that happened, just him, the father, the spirit, I just want you to know I'm so pleased with and maybe what the Spirit will have to overcome in, with, in you is just this whole fear maybe of rejection, this fear that everything about who you are hinges on getting the right response when you speak the word of God to people. And oh my goodness, what if they don't like me? And what if they reject me and my world falls apart? It's like, no, you're already, you're already beloved and loved in Christ by the one who matters, and there's no condemnation in him. Um, so... Just think about that. Let me throw that out there when it comes to boldness. But then I think sometimes when I, let me, we can say to, to God, um, God, will you just consider that? Like I'm all wrapped around the axle and, and bothered and angry and worried and whatever it is about that, that, and that. And I realize I can't do anything about that, that, and that, but I, but I love to be bold about that, that, and that, and talk about that, that, and that, and worry about that, that, and that. But, but I, can't, I can't do anything about that. So God, if you'll just consider this, this, and this, and then just give me the boldness. And would we, would we even be so bold as to say, and Lord, while you're, while you're giving me boldness, would you heal people? Would you do something miraculous? And I don't know if that makes you go... Did he just say that? But it could happen, couldn't it? Couldn't it? Do we still believe that happens? Do you guys read anything that Kennedy Post, right, about people being healed? And you're going, well, that's Kenya. Of course God heals people in Kenya. Those people are crazy for Jesus over there. (laughs) I'm sure that when God gets a passport, he just goes nuts in Africa, right? And it's like... (laughs) Yeah. Could we even be that bold um, to pray that prayer and just expect that God's going to do stuff? So why don't we just take a moment to pray this together? Okay? Will you join me? Um, Lord, you know what this world is like. And Lord, you know what the world inside of me is like. Lord, um, You are sovereign, you are master, you made the heavens, you made the earth, 
You made the sea. You know everything that's in the heavens and in the sea. You know everything that's on the earth. You're in control of it all. That's you, God. That's you. That's who we're talking to right now. That's who we're talking to. And you have spoken oh so many promises in your word about how the nations will rage and how the peoples will plot and scheme and how all of that's in vain and how this world will oppose Jesus and the people of the anointed one, your son. We expect this and and we don't... We don't take right now this, this woe is us posture of just sad victims. Lord, you knew that this world was going to be like this. And you knew we would be tempted to conform to it or just to complain about it or just to worry about it, Lord. But, but we're going to ask, Lord, for boldness. And Lord, maybe a good heaping dose of, of wisdom and love and grace to go with that boldness, Lord, to speak the truth boldly and courageously and freely and to speak it with love in our hearts for the person we're talking to and for the truth we're speaking. You consider this world, Lord. You take care of the stuff that only you can take care of and just enable your servants in this room and the people who are watching on video and who will watch later Enable us, your servants, to speak with great boldness in the name of Jesus. And whatever that boldness will look like, you've made everybody in this room with a different makeup and personality and just how we're put together and our temperaments. You've made us all different, but guess what? The world is full of different people. God, you know that. We're in a world made of people in your image all made differently. So Lord, it takes all kinds of people to reach all kinds of people. So just give your servants boldness and give us love and give us wisdom and give us grace. May your Holy Spirit fill us to speak how you want us to speak. And Lord, we would even ask that you would stretch out your hand and heal. That you would stretch out and do things for your people and among your people that simply have no other explanation than that God did that. This wasn't something those people could conjure up. Lord, we we offer all of this prayer to you for the glory of the name of Jesus among your people. And it's in his name we pray.